This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools, and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Life Made Better. We do have a very special guest with us today, which is Dawn Campbell. Dawn is the Director of Sales and Marketing at the International Authority for Professional Coaching and Mentoring. She also is a holistic coach herself, and she is an author and Nordic walking instructor, which no doubt we will be hearing more about in today's episode. Dawn's coaching is all about helping clients add years to their life by adding life to the years, which I personally love. And she does this through health, fitness, and lifestyle coaching. Don, thank you very much for being with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, thank you for inviting me, Lucia and um, Fleur. I am sure our audience would love to hear a bit more about you and how you got to where you are today, your journey, your experiences. So tell us a little bit about you. Mm, goodness, uh, that's a very big question. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm an international European, English, living in France in the spring and summer and lovely Spain in winter. So I think I've got the best of both worlds there. And I've been coaching for about 20 years. I think like a lot of people kind of fell into it quite accidentally. I was a sales director in the corporate world and saw this information about coaching. thought, I wonder what that's about. And uh, went on the course. I thought, that's what I've been doing with my sales team, coaching, mentoring and so on. And then I became freelance. And my business has kind of evolved since then. So I have two niche markets, helping small businesses and also helping people improve their life holistically. So I'm very hands-on. It's very practical. I prefer to do my coaching out of the office, actually. Uh, It's one of the reasons I became a Nordic walking instructor. So if somebody wants to lose weight, I don't want to sit there coaching them about weight loss over the desk. I want to take them out into the great outdoors and we sort of walk shoulder to shoulder and they don't feel like they're being coached. And it's same when I do health coaching and people want to know about nutrition. I take them into the kitchen. And we make lovely meals and it doesn't feel like they're being coached. So my coaching has really evolved into something quite practical. Sounds amazing. I think there's nothing better than the real life learning, is there? Sometimes when we talk about it, but when we actually experience it is when that real learning and change happens. Yeah, you're right. So we're, we're coming off quite a year, aren't we, with 2020 and the lifestyle changes brought with it. How do you think this has affected us? Well, I mean, mindset is everything, isn't it? As a director at the IAPCNM, we've obviously done a huge amount for our international members in terms of having no agenda, sort of open day coffee, talk and chat type sessions. And it's been really interesting to hear that for the most part, everybody's really been super positive. Until the last couple of weeks, I've not heard anybody say they knew anybody with COVID. All I'm hearing is that finally, I got my book written. Finally, I wrote my course. Finally, I created my webinar series. I've bonded with the the partner and the children. So for the most part, although it kind of reminds me of Dickens's Tale of Two Cities, you know, the, the worst of times and the best of times, The people I've mixed with have all said it's been the best of times. But just recently, in the last couple of weeks, I think things have got even worse. And we're very conscious of the fact 
a lot of people are grieving, not just the loss of a loved one, but loss of freedom, loss of income, maybe even loss of accommodation, loss of business opportunities. So it really is two sides of the same coin. And it, it's been very, very hard for some people. And so we need our health and we need a positive mindset now more than ever. And unfortunately, I don't think by the end of January, after the sort of amnesty over Christmas, things are going to be very much better. Yeah, and we're hearing that. It's interesting that you mentioned that, Dawn, because obviously I think there is a lot of hope in the Christmas break and here in the UK, the possibility of kind of like, you know, getting together with your loved ones. But I think, and perhaps it is a conscious decision that we are all making because we do need that hope and that, you know, somehow normality, and I quote unquote normality. But I think we are very keen to forget that the end of this license period that we're having is going to come in January and perhaps it will be even tougher than it has been up until now. So what would you say to that? What will be your kind of like your top three tips, so to speak, to that people kind of looking at January now and thinking, what am I going to do then? Mm. I, I think you're absolutely right, Lucia. I mean, people need not only hope, but they need physical contact. They need cuddles, they need love, they need to see smiles. Of course, we're all hiding behind masks at the moment, unless you're in a social bubble. It's almost like Maslow's hierarchy. You know, we need these basic uh, things that social tribes are used to having. So when we come to pay for the relaxation that we're going to have in December, in January, just like with financial implications, people go a bit mad on their credit cards, they suffer in January. I think that they're going to be doubly suffering in January. So protecting your immune and being sensible and doing what you can to improve your health, so getting out and walking and staying fit, breathing fresh air and eating sensibly, not getting too, too inebriated, but also not spending money that you haven't got. Don't add stress and worry through macking out on on credit cards be sensible do whatever you need to do to protect your mindset but also if you're really worried about covid and you feel social pressure to go and socialize with family and friends if you don't want to i think flexibility is the name of the game at the moment so you've got to follow your own path and, and be quite strong about what you want because let's face it, your health is your responsibility. It's nobody else's. You're responsible for what you put in your mouth. And if you want to, you know, eat your way to an early grave, that's your choice. But you have the opportunity. I mean, for a lot of people, there's an opportunity for the first time to get fit and healthy because they're not working and concentrate on themselves. But a lot of people have done the opposite. They've sat on the couch in front of the TV, eating lots of food, comfort food, because they're depressed. So it's about choices, Lucia. I like what you're saying, Dawn, about, you know, this personal choice. And there is so many things we can still take control of. And one of those things is, you know, what we choose to eat, whether we decide to go outside, how often we decide to meet other people and how we decide to meet other people. I mean, we can't control the spread of covid as in the virus, but we can control our contribution to it. And I love the fact that you're getting us to think about that personal choice and thinking about our future self. If we all go crazy 
for these last few weeks of December, there is going to be a harder time ahead. And it might be better to think of a little bit of balance between having a good time and, you know, still leaving some energy and good spirit for January. Mm, You're right, Flo, it is about balance. In the moment, I'm sure there's going to be lots of scenarios where people forget and they go a little bit mad perhaps see more people than they meant to or eat more than they meant to or exercise less than they whatever and this is why there's a statistic that says something like by the 28th of January 89% of people have broken their new year's resolutions so you know that piles on the guilt as well doesn't it but Mm. that's the beauty of us coaches we can step in and help them they don't have to be alone clients can get faster results through coaching so coaches now are going to be needed more than ever the same as counselors therapists etc i saw some statistics for italy and they said that they think their youth is going to be in therapy for the next decade as a result of the trauma of what teenagers have been through about their loss of their education and their qualification status and being labeled as the covid generation So if we look at that from a a worldwide point of view, coaches and therapists and and holistic practitioners are absolutely key to the well-being, the mental well-being of the future generations. Yeah, I very much agree with you. And I think, obviously, as as you were saying, Dawn, there's two sides of the coin here, depending on what you want to choose. And I think if we choose to see 2020 for its learnings and perhaps the good bits, I definitely take away the fact that it's made mental health and well-being very much a top priority for everybody, which... If you think about it, it's kind of crazy that it wasn't before because that is the one thing that is going to keep us going, that is going to get us out of bed every day and get it into that spirit of joy, of happiness, of wanting to do what we are about to do, which is the source of life. (laughs) So, you know, I guess in a way there is one positive that we can take out of this unusual year, to say the least. But... I'm curious to hear from you, Dawn, what have been your key learnings from 2020? Well, because I live in such a remote part of France, it's almost like COVID didn't happen. If I didn't watch Sky News, I could almost imagine it wasn't happening. So for me, it's been a very, very busy year. One of Every year just seems to be the busiest year yet and it gets busier. So some of the key learnings are about the word that Fleur used, which is balance. Sometimes my ego takes over and I say yes to everything because I'm a fire starter by nature. I love projects. So I've said yes to speaking to a a thousand odd people in March, a congress. I've said yes to a co-authored book opportunity. I've also got my own practice and obviously a director at the IAPCNF. So for me, one of my key learnings is balance. Why do I keep biting off more than I can chew? I can only think I've got a damn big ego. What <laughs> <laughs> a first for you know helping more and more people, Don. Perspective, perspective once more. Yeah. That's very kind of you. Yes, thank you. I'm kind of like Tigger. I get very, very excited about all new projects and I love working with other people. I went through a period of doing a lot of work on my own, and in this last decade, I've come to value joint venture opportunities with people like yourself, whether it's putting a workshop together or a podcast or a book. It just fills me with so much joy, particularly bringing on people 
who have got less experience than myself, if I can help them grow and put them on the right path, then I think that's one of the reasons why I have so many fingers in so many pies. Yeah, I think that's one of our main learnings, isn't it, from this year about how we need each other. Yeah. One thing that not being able to be together. I think, you know, there's some statistic, isn't there, that actually being in community and not being alone is more of a yeah. helpful well-being than, you know, not smoking, not eating healthy, but that actual of being together and that personal contact, how important that is. And I think when this COVID finishes, we'll be so happy and grateful just to be able to have the personal contact that we can have. We mm. should be, shouldn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, Fleur, that isolation is one of the biggest killers. People have to have a sense of purpose. We're back to Maslow. They have to have that sense of community. And I was just talking to another coach today about centenarians. What are the, uh, the commonalities between people who reach 100 and they're still fit and healthy? It's because they have a part to play in community. They have a good diet. They exercise. They're valued members that people go to for advice. And unfortunately, some countries have a less caring attitude towards their elderly. And so they're just left to sit there in their home or a care home with very few visits and they just fade away. Yeah, Um, it's the power of that connection, isn't it? And I think you can also not underestimate the power of physical contact, which I know, Dawn, you just mentioned, particularly for those that have been having to isolate or living on their own. And, you know, I obviously have spent lockdown with my family and it's four of us and I've got my kids and I do get plenty of cuddles and kisses and, you know, I love it. But for example, I haven't been able to see my mum for the whole year, pretty much. She's coming over for Christmas. And I can tell you that I cried when she sent me a picture (laughs) of her flights being booked because I haven't been able to give my mum a cuddle for this long. And you can also deny, because there's several research and investigation being done and, and released these days, about the power of hugs and how that affects, like, you know, releasing endorphins and all the various positive effects of that. I love what countries like Denmark are doing, where they're introducing teenagers and pensioners living together to learn and share from each other. Yeah, I've I've read about that too. And I think it is a brilliant way of doing it. Because obviously, as you were saying, like the old people that have been learning the care homes and all of a sudden feel like they have no purpose anymore. I think by pairing them together is such a brilliant move because obviously... To those old people, you're giving them a sense of purpose once more because they've got somebody else around and perhaps somebody to look after. And for the young people, I think it's also really, really good to get back in touch to what it is to be at home with some elderly people or somebody older than you. I'm coming from Spanish culture and obviously there's a strong tradition of looking after your parents or perhaps like, you know, having your parents or your grandparents living with you in the same household. So that's something that you kind of never lose sight of, but that is not the commonality in many cultures. So I think it's a very wise move and one that will incentivate one and another to put everyone in each Mm -hmm. other's shoes. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. 
So Dawn, I'm just wondering what gives you that strength and inspiration to push on because you seem to do so much and like you said, you're older and wiser, but you're still motivated. What, what's keeping you with this strength? You're right. I'm very motivated. I'm extremely driven. I think firstly, it comes from a very strong work ethic. And secondly, a curiosity, I suppose, about our potential I feel there's so much more I can achieve. So I just challenged myself and it it finishes next Wednesday, how to write a a book in 90 days. So a 90 page book in 90 days. And there's been a couple of times in the last 14 days, I thought, why am I doing this on top of everything else? But I just wanted to see, can I do it? Is it possible to write a good quality how-to book? And I thought it will be a book on how to write a book in 90 days, because that's what I've done. And I I write books and I edit books. So I thought, let's put this learning into a book and help more coaches, because a lot of my clients are coaches who are starting out and they're in that sort of first two or three years. And I don't want them to make the mistake that I made of thinking when I'm an expert, when I'm fully grown up, when I've got enough adult material, I'll write my own full-blown book actually no write your book now as part of your sales strategy when you're starting out share your story and share your message with the world so what better way to do that by writing a book and it doesn't have to be a tomb it can be you know 90 pages because I heard Peter Thompson who's the UK's most prolific online content provider say if a book is more than 96 pages you've got less opportunity of people reading it. And the longer the book is, the less people will read it. So by the time you reach three, four, five hundred pages, you're down to about less than 20 percent of people who are reading it. It's better to have a series. So lots of short books. So I'm on a mission next year to encourage every coach to write their 90 page book in 90 days and get something out as part of their sales strategy and their their sales signature. That's their legacy. There's there's so many benefits. So, uh, yeah, I can't even remember what the question was. I got so, so involved in why this book is important (laughs) for all coaches. (laughs) I love the fact that uh, I asked you about where you get your strength and inspiration from and we just we didn't even need to know we just heard the motivation and spirit (laughs) definitely (laughs) was there anyway and I I love the fact that you said about curiosity of what you can do because that's one of my big believers it's like just get curious about what can you achieve instead of letting that fear always get in of like you said about I'm not the expert or I don't know enough yet I mean when is enough so that just that curiosity of what you can achieve at any time is such a amazing belief and space to come from isn't it and I don't think we ever get there do we no but that's the beauty of it isn't it that there's always something else that you can do there's always something else that you can learn I think if not we will become dull and bored so it's always good to have I mean not push yourself too far this is something that Flair and I are teaching in the course that we're currently running like step out of your comfort zone but don't get into the panic one keep yourself in that stretch one where you're feeling like you know the challenge and that excitement of doing something else something new something different to to keep you going that feeds that what else can I do it? To feel that excitement, the minute that you're feeling a bit panicky, then perhaps take a couple of steps back. <laughs> I mean, another example that I can give you, and it's a completely different type of example, is as a Nordic walking instructor, I want to take 
people out of their comfort zones. So if I take my example with my sister-in-law, I want to do the Santiago Compostela walk. I, I'm desperate to do it. <laughs> I can see you lighting up there. Have you actually done it, um, Lucia? I have not. I have not. I've witnessed my cousin going through it and kind of being part of his journey. But obviously coming from Spain, that's just that's truly alive in our no. culture. So, Well, I want to do it. And I want to be able to say to my corporate clients, you're jaded, you're overweight, you've got uh, limited creativity because you haven't breathed fresh air and got out there. Join me on that walk at any stage. You'll lose weight, you'll get fitter, you'll get in touch with yourself, you'll have some coaching while you're walking because walking enhances the coaching experience. So I thought we'll start small because not everybody wants to jump in and do that one. So I'm doing Hadrian's Wall next year. And I've said to my sister-in-law who keeps saying, I need a bit of a challenge. And I said, look, if you could do 84 miles Hadrian's Wall across the country, imagine, and I, I'll give you a certificate, imagine that sense of achievement you have. So, uh, but I've also had to say, if at any stage in the walk, you say it's enough, because there are plenty of pubs, you can get jump in a taxi, take my rucksack, and I'll. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I love you. Took the stress out of it. You took, yeah. the, you took the stress out of it yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I don't want to frighten her. I want to motivate her, and I want her to challenge herself so that she feels really proud. As a granny, she's a role model for her children and her grandchildren. But if she was too frightened to do it, she might drop out at the last minute. So I have to build in that safety net for her. Yeah. But what I'm loving hearing is two things. On the one hand, it's obviously providing that motivation and inspiration and painting that picture of this is what you could achieve, which obviously it is an amazing side to be thrive about. But the other bit that I'm hearing throughout is also a sense of managing expectations, which I think is something so important as well, knowing that what you're going to get into and be realistic about those goals. Because sometimes, and as coaches, we see that if we set something too big without managing how you're going to get there, that's when the disconnection happens. And I think it's something quite useful and quite important to do. And I'm loving that, you know, you're setting that bar and say like, look, you're going to achieve this. But if at any point you think X, Y, and Z, jump in a cab, get my rucksack and I'll see you at the next stop. <laughs> Dawn, you've obviously been coaching for 20 years and we still are finding that coaching is not as well known in the UK it's much more recognized in the US why would you say that you would recommend someone working with a coach rather than a therapist uh, I think one of the key things is that when you work with a coach we're very results orientated and future orientated so we're not too worried about why you've put on a couple of stone or why you're unhappy in your job or whatever the scenario is all we want to know is where do you want to go? How are we going to get you there? And it's very empowering because we're not doing the work. The client is. <laughs> you know, so as long as we've been well-trained and we're professionally accredited and we're conscious of our, working with our clients' well-being, we know that we're not going to self-disclose and give them the answers etc that's not to say we're going to let somebody struggle if they really can't work it out for themselves there are lots of tools and ways around that but the fact that a client leaves a coaching session 
usually on fire and can't wait to go out and buy some trays or a hardback book to list their actions or to clear out their fridge or, or whatever it is, they feel excited or should leave a coaching session feeling excited, really looking forward to coming back to you at the next session to say, right, I've done this because you've broken it down into bite-sized chunks. I've done those three steps. Right, what's next? So they get their results faster than they could on their own. That's a beautiful way of, of putting it, Dawn. So we've got a couple last questions for you. So can you sum up in one sentence how you made your life better? Oh, how did I make my life better? Again, I think this comes from maturity because I wouldn't say this probably in my 30s or 40s. But as I'm approaching 60, I think it's about being honest with yourself. What do you really want to do? What do you really want to spend your time on? Who do you want to spend your life with? And when you're authentic and honest and you stop pretending to be perfect and being around people who take your energy or damage your self-esteem in some way and keep you stuck, once you're honest about your needs and realize that being selfish isn't selfish at all, it's actually self-preservation, then the next chapter of your life is just so much more exciting. Yeah, I love that. And that's what we do as coaches, isn't it? We help people with their vision and their values and get them on their their track. It's not about what they're expected to do, but what is best for them. So thank you, Dawn, so much for coming today. It's been delightful. Can you let people know where they can find you? Yes, yep. I'm on the directory profile at the coach-accreditation.services website. Super. We'll make sure to also pop that in the episode notes. And as Fred was saying, it's been a pleasure to have you, Dawn. We very much thank you for being with us today and sharing all those precious nuggets with us. And to all of you listening, thank you very much for joining us one more week. And please do share the love if you think anybody would benefit from listening to this episode or any of the other ones we've got available. Please do so. Share the episode, subscribe to it so you get notified when we release a new one. Leave a review if you've liked it. That will help us in keeping our iTunes status. And thank you. Thank you very much for being with us one more week. We wish you all the very best and we hope to see you again next week. Have a great one. 